From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City. From planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space. A podcast with no equal. Engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on, ladies and gentlemen. Another exciting episode, as we have every Monday, of Battleline Podcast. This is a really cool one that I got to put together of some of our favorite badass female guests that we've had on the show. I mean, we're quite a few episodes in. You know what? I'm trying to remember. Are we are 111, 112, is this? I'm stalling because I'm looking. This is episode 111, right? So 111 episodes and yes, I know it's kind of like a male-dominated audience because we do focus, uh, and male-dominated guests, I should say, because we do focus on special operations, military veterans, uh, all of which, right, are male at, at this point uh, in time of, of the veterans that we know of. That, that is all subject to change and uh, controversy, depending on how you feel about changing standards. But I'm not getting into that. The point is that we have had some really awesome female guests on the show and too many to really even put into one episode. So this is going to be first uh, the first part in a series of badass female guests. And uh, yeah, let's just start it off right away. This is Julia Mackey, who we had on episode 56 who is a veteran herself, who was there during some of the rioting in D.C. during the summer. Um, you know, not to be confused with what happened January 6th, we're talking about the summer prior to then, and wrote a great book about it, which you could check out uh, if you look up her work, Julia Mackey. And uh, you could learn more about in her full episode on 56. But this excerpt, she gets into her story of joining the military and getting into writing. So check it out right here on Battleline Podcast. I did five years in the Navy. Go Navy. Um, <laughs> um, where I was combat air crew, and it was a rate that had just been opened up to women a million years ago now. And um, so that was that was quite an adventure. Got out of my small town, saw the world, um, flew on P3 uh, aircraft, P3 Charlies, uh, fighting or, or not fighting, but hunting submarines during peacetime um, and keeping track of everything. We did everything from uh, overland intelligence, gathering information um, to counter narcotic operations. So that was my that's where I began. And I when I got out after a tour of duty, because I had met my husband, wanted to have a family. So I, I wrote my first children's book, which was My Mom Hunts Submarines. So that just talked about everything that we did. And and my whole my whole inspiration for writing that book was basically to say, you know, there isn't anything you can't do, because that's the message I want to convey to my kids. And um, so that led to the next book, which led to the next, um, I wrote all hands on deck. Dad's coming home for, for children that have parents that are deployed. 
Um, after that, I wrote Still My Dad, which is about um, the the physical disabilities of uh, wounded veterans as the children have to adapt to that as well as the, the parents. So this was kind of uh, a way to talk about it for the kids, break it down. Um, and then my, my final children's one was From the Sky, which is about everything that I saw from the sky. Um, and what inspired that one was when I was flying and realized that a rainbow was a complete circle. I could look down on the ground and see the bottom of the rainbow. <laughs> and so, and just, just how different everything from flying was the perspective there. So, um, so then when I got out, I, I ended up writing a book about all of my different adventures in the military. Now, this was the adult version of all that. Um, don't let your kids read that. <laughs> it's one. okay. The kid, kids read 13 hours and I drop F-bombs all the time. You're, you're good. You're good. You see uh, this? You, you see how she talks though? See the, the light? This girl can get, get has a potty mouth. It's, it's the funniest <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> the kids books and she's dropping f-bombs like a ranger it's 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 and it's hilarious but you know we'll, we'll get in that later we'll talk i have an image uh, i'm sorry now. sorry publish sorry about your publisher out there sorry about that what's your publisher's name again tactical yeah 16. so like they're gonna I, I, that would lead you to that actually they're gonna care if you swear tactical 16 publisher but go ahead talk, talk keep going with the adult book i, I like to hear about that All right. okay Okay, well, the adult version books, yeah. Um, basically, that was everything that I did um, in the military. Started off with just a compilation of funny stories, um, hard stories, going through um, like seer school stories, and in a time where it was all new to have women there and and the adventures, I guess, that we had along the way. Um, it we they just weren't equipped to have us. We were flying on P3s, which were built in the fifties for a crew of all men. Seriously, they had a stand up. Yeah, as I said, how did you how did you pee? That's what I want to know. I want to know, and our listeners want to know. How do you pee? Did you have to be standing up, or did you like they put? Tell us how that worked. I got I got to know how they worked. I never asked you that. Okay, so I had to take off the top, and then I would have to because I'm super short. Um, I would have to hang from the ceiling kind of over the top of it. And meanwhile, our pilots are being <laughs> jerks and stuff, you know, anytime they knew we were in there to mess with us. But yeah, so good times. But now the successor, the P8 has sit down flushable toilets. So women nowadays, they don't know how good they have it. <laughs> you know what, though? I tell you what, men, and don't think that men don't are appreciative of having a sit down toilet That's in their true. Cause that is like the throne. Like, Oh my gosh, I got to sit down and relax for a little bit. Oh, but you don't do that on the, on the plane. Like if you do that, you owe a case of beer to the whole crew. Well then I'd be going to a case of beer. Cause I'd be sitting down on the throne. Like eat shit guys. Literally I'm sitting down on the throne and enjoying my time sitting here, relaxing for five minutes. Oh my God. But that, that's amazing. And you know, I, I getting into that too, because, you know, Sears school is no joke. Now, did you go through it would, the one at Fairchild, the one out in Spokane? Is no, actually, the- mine was up in Maine, up in Rangeley in the mountains up there. So oh, what time of year was it when you went? It was April. So there was still snow on the ground up there. I did get cold weather survival training sure. with that. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Um, we were going well, to. Yeah, tell a little bit about that. Because even just because we get a lot of listeners that are young that want to go in and I think it's beneficial on both sides, how you overcame, because your school's no joke. And, yeah. and you didn't prepare for it, if you, anything. And then maybe your worst experience there, that how you got through it. Well, um, it all kind of was. <laughs> it was it was the best, worst training I've ever had. That's what I always describe it as, because 
I have no, <laughs> I hope I never have to do anything like that again. Uh, God forbid, but, uh, geez, you learn so much about yourself and how you'd handle the pressure and stuff. And ours was, ours was a week long. We, we went up there the first, um, went up there on a Thursday through Sunday and it was survival training. Um, and we were, that's where we, they taught us how to hunt. Now, granted it was, it was wintertime. There weren't little bugs or animals out at that time or, you know, vegetation of any sort. Um, okay. Here's, here's one of my, my crappy stories. <laughs> Think about it or funny or crappy. I don't know all of it. So we were, um, we were learning how to, um, catch and, um, make rabbit stew. So from the very beginning, so he has this nice little rabbit, right? And we're all sitting around. It's so cute and fluffy. We're all sitting around um, this kind of stage, almost classroom-like setting. And I realized I was front and center. And I quickly realized this is not where I wanted to be <laughs> when this was going to go down. So I just discreetly tried to, like, you know, make my way to the the side of the room, the back a little bit without being noticed. And of course, all the guys are like, oh, Julia, you have to move, you know, is it too much for you? I'm like, just, just move along, okay. And um, meanwhile, the instructor goes on, he's petting his little rabbit and uh, just ch- chatting like no big deal. All of a sudden, like whips that rabbit around, smashes the head on, on a block and it, yeah blood goes splattering all over to everybody in the audience, their faces in that front row. And I was like, that's where I moved. So it was, it was a little satisfying at that point. Cause they were all like, Oh, you know, that's all. So did you have to kill a rabbit at all? Did you get one? Did you smash his head? <laughs> you did. Just say you did. I you have to eat. You got to eat. That's what you got to do. I cut you vegetables. Run. No, I, <laughs> if I, if I had to, I would have, I didn't have to that day. So, you know, yeah. you do what you gotta do. And that's it. You know, that's part of, it's part of the training, but that's over the top. That's an instructor really going over the top over because the top. But, yeah, but, but the whole thing is, you know, shocking you into all yeah. these different um, situations, um, you know, taking kids plucked from the city and throwing them up on a mountaintop and Hey, go survive. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed that excerpt from Julia Mackey. I loved having her on. Truly a great honor. And that was actually one of our most listened to episodes. You guys really enjoyed that one. So she is definitely uh, overdue for a part two. It's just, it's hard to book everybody who we want on, but we will definitely do a part two with Julia Mackey. So if you're listening, it was a great honor having you on, Julia. And that's why we wanted to highlight that one at the start of the show. Uh, Next excerpt we're going to get into here is none other than the wife of Chris Peranto. Tanya Peranto, and yes, it is pronounced that way. I'm used to saying Tanya for everybody else with the same name spelling, but they will both insist to me it is Tanya Peranto for those keeping score at home. And this was a fun one. Uh, She gets right here into uh, meeting Chris, and they speak about uh, what led to them getting married. And uh, you guys will dig this one. It was a fun episode. This is from episode 15, Tanya Peranto. I am a definite small town girl. Uh, grew up small town life, you know, one grocery store, one flashing light intersection, um, went to a small high school, had about 24, 25 people in my graduating class. And, and where at um, for people wondering? I went, I went to a small little town called UTAN. UTAN High School is where I grew up, um, kind of threw myself into academics. Wait, and what, what's, what state is that, though? Because I don't even know. 
Nebraska. Oh, okay. I'm Nebraska. We're Nebraska. Cornfields. I've ventured. I've ventured too far away. I mean, we lived in Chris and I lived in Washington State for a couple years when he was stationed up at Fort Lewis. But um, other than that, Nebraska's pretty much always been my home base. So yeah, small town girl. Um, got a scholarship to play volleyball at University of Nebraska Omaha, and uh, I know. I guess I'll just fast forward to how I met Chris. It was, uh, and very few people know this. Actually, I get the question every once in a while, but the really random thing is that we met on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, the South Padre Island spring break. It was. And it was, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're telling the story. Sorry, honey. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You can tell the story too. Cause no, no, have, no. Have I will. Your perspective. I, I will. No, go it ahead. was, you know, I went down with a group of my friends. He got kind of talked into going down with a group of his friends. And um, we just kind of ran, like the two <clears throat> groups kind of just ran into each other at one of the bars down there. Actually, and, you know, Okay, the, the detail. Actually, I got dumped. Some, the uh, the who was the they had the the little the shot girls running around. The little shots of whatever the popular thing was at the time. It, you know, wasn't it was something something cinnamony, but it wasn't the what's the what's fireball? They didn't have fireball back then. That's how old it was. And remember, I took my she dumped it all over me, and I had to take my shirt off. <laughs> I did. And no, no, the the the, the girl. The, oh yeah, and, that's right, that's right. And, and that's what and and uh, and I just got I just got thrown out of the army. That was the first time I got thrown out of the army. It was just that's why I did spring break because I was all depressed. I was out of the army and all that other crap, and uh, dumped it all over me. And and I so I I was this gooey cinnamony liquor all over me. And it's spring break, so I don't care. I'm I'm whatever. What was I at the time? Twenty eight, twenty seven. Am I dating myself a little bit? But I took my That's shirt off. That's pretty old for a spring breaker. Uh, no, no, was, and, and by the way, no, I should I should be, throw it out be there like twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, no, you were twenty four. Twenty four or twenty five. How do you guys okay. have me so off? The the only thing I'm I want to clarify here for people wondering when you say thrown out of the army, this is when you left. The, I don't want people to think you got like dishonorably discharged. No, I no no. I got honorably discharged, but. I, there, there could have, there was a chance for me. And I, I, if people, if they want to know, it was in the Ranger way. I wrote about it. So yeah. I'm not like hiding anything. Go read the Ranger way. You'll see. I, I talk all about that, that low point of my life that when it started to kick back up and part of it was spring break and meeting Tanya. And that was, that was when things started to change when it got better actually, where I was like, Oh my gosh, this is this, what am I going to do with myself? That, and that was a, also a time that, you know, I, 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 I had, I had I had OD'd on on a lot of pills at one point in time too at that that initiate that that time before I met Tanya, and when I went to spring break met Tanya, things started to get better again. The life started yeah. to go better. But how? So let's how get back she, to this. You're covered in a cinnamon covered in goose. Shot. Yeah. So I take my shirt off, and she sees this chiseled body, and that was it. Right there. <laughs> that was it. That is that is that how it went down? <laughs> I love I love how you just made it all about you. Do you see? Oh, see, that's there. Yeah, I'm keeping me honest all the time. That's what I go through. I need that. Is that is that true? Did, is that true? Just tell me. Tell me. Tell you're me. right. You're right. I'm not. You're not lying. That that is factual information. You just embellished the end part a little bit. The end part, okay. Yeah. The end. <laughs> no. So we wanted. You know, my little group of friends. We wanted to go over across the border go down to Mexico, but we're all a bunch of chickens because, you know, we're college girls that have never really been outside of anywhere. 
And his kind of group of friends was like, hey, we're going to go down, you know, in a couple nights if you guys want to hang out and go down together. So it kind of became this like travel buddy group of friends going down there. So we felt like we were sort of protected because we had this group of guys to help us, you know, navigate the unknown, so to speak. But, you know, I mean, that's just kind of how it developed. And, you know, Chris and I got to, um, you know, become friends, talk a little bit more. He's, you know, giving me his background information about, you know, the army stuff. He was married before at that point. So he was telling me about that situation. And he's like, you know, I just, I need new direction. I need something else. I need, a, you know, a, a different goal. Yeah. And he was talking about going back to school. And, you know, of course me, I'm thinking, okay, well, University of Nebraska Omaha has got a great criminal justice program. And I told him that because that's what he had his undergrad degree. And, you know, long story short, it just kind of ended up developing into a Chris moving from Colorado to Omaha to Nebraska to attend graduate school. And, you know, I, I got tasked the job of finding him a place to live, which is comical in itself. Cause I think Chris, you've talked about this before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About the coming to Omaha and I haven't talked about the, the apartment you found me that was. Had yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. I haven't got to that one yet. Yeah. No. Well, you know, Chris <laughs> is coming with, you know, next to nothing. And he, I mean, he literally moved to Omaha with a suitcase and a box and, and, a, br- box, and, a, and a piece of crap Bronco two that was just breaking down all the time. Yep. Remember that. Yeah. In that box was like a plate, a bowl, uh, a metal pot and one set of silverware. I, I kid you not. <laughs> and, and you were how old at that's this time, he, Chris? Well, that's, the, that's what he brought. And he's like, 26. You know, okay. Help, help me out. Help me out and see if you can find something that I can afford so I can live and get a job and, you know, get, get going in school. So, you know, me, I'm, I'm searching around somewhere close to my neighborhood area because he's never been to Omaha. He doesn't know the city at all. And I find a room for rent. Now, you know, in my gut is telling me this probably isn't the best neighborhood. This probably isn't the best situation. But based on the budget allotted, this is what I'm going to throw at him. So Chris came down. I was really nervous because I thought he was just going to throw it back at me. He goes, this is terrible. Why did you pick this? I'm not going to be able to live here because it was one room with two other guy roommates. One was kind of, what was his job? Like a handyman kind of a guy? He was a handy, his name was uh, Doug. Nicest guy in the world, yeah. but he was, he was a, yeah, he, he was nice. a handyman, handyman guy that, that really, he, he was going to be in Omaha for the rest of his life. Sort of guy. Nice guy. Yeah. And then jab. Then the other one was, was a, it was a Vietnamese or Korean. Is it Vietnamese? Not Korean. Vietnamese. Vietnamese foreign exchange student named jab. <laughs> Didn't speak English yeah. very well. So the room that Chris got was one of the upstairs bedrooms that had no air conditioning. Mm. And of course, Chris moved there in, in Nebraska summer, which is just the polar opposite of the crappy Nebraska winter that Chris complains about all the time. So it was, you know, 90 degrees probably (laughs) in that room on a regular basis over the summer. But you know what? I, I think, I don't remember you complaining about that part, Chris. No, I don't, form, I, right? I, I don't, I didn't mind. I didn't at that time. Also, I was used to, you know, just getting in the army. I was used to 
being the, the weather didn't affect me. I mean, as long as I, and I remember I didn't have a bed either. I had just threw a little, like a yeah. futon mattress, a mattress. On the, not even a you futon. A I just threw a little thing on the floor and had a little fan. As long as I laid still at night uh, and had the fan blow on me, it was stayed cool enough. <laughs> it was fun. It was, but it was, it was awesome though. I mean, it was, it was, it was crappy as far as where I lived, the actual, but the, the roommates, it was, it was a great learning experience. I would never have, I would never have hung out with the two guys I had roommates. So they weren't like me at all, yeah. but we came together and we were, and it was in a, yeah, it wasn't a pretty rough area, but you know, we live in a rough area right now. So what? I, I, I didn't yeah. care. I wasn't, I, you, you get those. I was the guy that would, where Tanya would be on road trips and she'd go, she was still playing volleyball practicing. You know, I found a job and, uh, I, but it's the kind of place where I would, my, my budget could afford a little bit of alcohol. I wasn't a big drinker, but a little bit. I was still college age. I could afford a Mickey's Big Mouth or Old English or, or St. Ives, one of those big 40 ounces. And I could just go sit on the porch and I overlooked Mutual of Omaha's headquarters. So that was one of the coolest things at night because the moon rises right there. So if the moon was coming up, I could sit there and just drink on my porch. And I wasn't worried about getting kid i wasn't worried about getting robbed or anything like that i, I looked more like a thug than they did at the time <laughs> and um and i'd watch the moon come up and and watch the mutual omaha indian head sign light up and it was it was a cool experience but yeah it was and it was a great place to run i was a runner and it's remember it's hilly it was hilly all over there and we had a little chinese restaurant that was right down the street that i, I do think they still cook cats and dogs excuse is that politically incorrect <laughs> we have to edit that out no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding it was you know it's a dollar no, it, for, it's truth though it's probably true <laughs> it's, it's like you know two dollars all you can eat chinese food but that's where we go to eat and oh, it was it was a good change and it was a good step because it got me out of grand junction of course it got me and Tanya together but it was it was it was a it was a change and it started me off to like, you know what, this it was a little scary at first. But this, this really wasn't that bad because when you go in the army, the army, you, you, you still really have a mom and dad taking care of you when you're in the military. You really do. You're not worried about anything there. You still got a place to stay. They're still paying you. When I did that on my own. I was like ten. You said I was. I remember I had just I had double hernia because I had just I still hadn't fixed my hernias that I got right. from a jump into Fort Bragg when we did a, my last training jump at Range Battalion. So I had two hernias as well <laughs> moving there, and I had to go to the find a hospital and get get a get them surgically done. And I had nobody there to take care of me. Tanya did. Tanya did when she was, but she was playing volleyball. So you know she she did what she could. Um, but there was a lot of times, too, also where Tanya had air conditioning and her house was a block away. So I'm not going to lie that I spent all summer in my room. I, I would go and stay in the cool air-conditioned house that she lived with her her roommates at the time. But, yeah, I, did, I, where, did, I, did I take it over again? I took it over again, didn't I, the conversation? You talk a lot. You do. Yeah. You talk a lot. It's okay, though. <laughs> you have good content. It's good content. No, it makes you like I love the I don't know just respecting the the small stuff so to speak you know just being able to like you talk about set it on the porch and just hang out and it's your time and you know a new direction new avenue you, you gotta re, you gotta respect that. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree. I mean, living where I do in Port Washington, I get to see the, the sunset over the dock, and I don't really do sunrise because I don't wake up early enough. But all that, all that little <laughs> stuff, I do think is it's stuff that you remember if if yeah. you're that type of person. Yeah. 
you do you do and it was it was walking i had no law you know i had no law and people people doing the same things i do but but when you're in college you really feel in that time frame of that life or that that age that's when you do need to experience that where i yeah i, I had no uh, we had no washer and dryer so i i'd have you know i'd walk two blocks to the laundromat with my stuff and that was actually fun that was actually my zen moment sometimes was going to the laundromat and sitting in the laundry and watching tv and and just knowing that you know, I can survive. I don't need a ton of money. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to work my butt off to make a good life for myself and, and make a good life for my family, but it's okay. I can also, I can also, I don't need that. There's small things that you start to enjoy. So, you know, you, you do, you enjoy the little things. And that was some of that. Sometimes that was just walking to the laundromat when it was minus 10, <laughs> minus 10 out in the winter time, but getting a laundromat and doing laundry and just sitting there watching TV going, man, I'm doing all this on my own. And I thought my life was over because at that point in time, yeah, I had gone through a divorce. I had, I had, you know, I had attempted, I, I, I actually had, I did take a bunch of pills and, and drink a bunch of alcohol thinking my life was over. And, and it was, and, but then I met Tanya and I said, things started, you, you start, I started to see the bright things, the brighter side of life where it was just small things like that. And the cool thing where she found the place that it was right next to this historic area in in Omaha called the Jocelyn district. And there's a Jocelyn castle right there, right in the middle of this old crappy neighborhood. There's an old building called the Jocelyn castle. And I remember just, I'd, I'd go jog by it and I love architecture. So I just, just look at that go, man, I, I'm actually living in a pretty cool place. And I wasn't, you're, you're, you're also a little bit more fearless at that age too. You're not thinking anything's going to happen to you. So I, it was, I, I get out and explore and that's the best, still the best way to see anything is explore the neighborhoods is, is to go jogging and run around. And, and, and then, you know, and then Tanya was, I was in grad school. Tanya was, had volleyball games. I go watch her and play volleyball and, and she looked good in volleyball shorts. That's when they were getting really tight and short like they are now. <laughs> so I would like doing that i'd sit and watch her in her volleyball shorts and be like man this is great i did is that okay can i say that or do we have to why, why are we continually talking about tights and shorts <laughs> because you look good in them that's why <laughs> I, I, I was just gonna say something like really nice about you and then you had to throw the volleyball shorts that is in so, there, so nice are you kidding me <laughs> I, 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 I i if i was talking how i was physically attracted i still am to you i, I shouldn't okay. have said still i shouldn't no. have said still huh that's yeah, I mean, this is the, oh, I should throw yeah. in, this is the post-Valentine's Day show, so. <laughs> no, but what I, <laughs> what I really wanted to say, because, you know, Chris is telling his story about, you know, new beginnings and starting over and things like that. And I think one of the things that I, I respect and love the most about Chris is it comes down to like that guy's work ethic, because whether it's been gosh didn't you like have to be a brick mortar oh i know i had i had double i had double hernia surgery and i was a mason tender too so i was out there mason tender but what a mason tender is go ahead tell me what a mason tender is people that don't know no you can tell me what a mason tender is but i'm just i'm just saying like he always figures it out he always makes it work and so many people make excuses why they can't do this or this is impossible or, you know, this just didn't work out for me. And when it comes to him, you know, even from the very beginning, whether it was, you know, in the military before I knew him in the military after I'd already met him or, or all these different jobs and projects and endeavors and, you know, hurdles and mountain climbs, so to speak, that, 
that he comes up against, it's like, you know, okay, what's next? You know, what's going to be my next obstacle? Because he always seems to figure it out, you know, whether it's a roadblock that he needs to take a different direction. So, and I, I do, I just, I really respect that and love that about him is in that, you know, it, I guess it comes back to the whole never quit thing because, you know, that's the tagline and that's the hashtag that, yeah. you know, he uses for so many things, but, um, it is, you know, it, whether it's the small things that the obstacles that are put in front of him or the big, huge obstacles, you know, that, that he's overcome individually or that we've overcome as a couple, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. It takes, it takes a pretty tough human being mentally, physically, emotionally to get to the place that he is now. All right. Next one here is Joy Villa from episode 19. You guys know her from the infamous Trump dress at the Grammy Awards, but we get into much more with her from that episode, from episode 19. And, uh, we talk a little fitness, check it out. Lifting weights, women have this false idea that you're going to get bulky, that you're going to yeah. get too big. I mean, that is so ridiculous because, first of all, women genetically, and I can still say I'm genetically a woman, and there are two genders. <laughs> there are two genders. We're going to say it. I'm saying I'm there. Cancel me for it. CNN News at 11. Joy yeah. Villas. Uh, yeah, we had no friends at CNN, or I'll be honest, Joe, we had no friends at really at CNN or Fox anymore, so you say whatever you want. We, we, that's what we're here for. You keep, keep um, going. I like it. Keep I love going. it. So, you know, as a woman, though, I am genetically predisposed. I don't know. Predisposition. I have less testosterone. So even lifting weights is going to be harder for me to build muscle. And I know this because I competed in bikini bodybuilding. I did not know that. Place. I won third place. Which one? Which one? I cut you off. Which one? NPC. So oh, did you really? Committee. Yeah. 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 I want to earn my pro card. I want to do another show. And it's so fun and glamorous and girly. But yet your fitness woman, like you, I gained a lot of muscle, like my shoulders, yeah. my arms were always very thin, but I always, you know, had a, had a nice back end and fit legs, <laughs> but it wasn't as, you know, and I had a tight stomach, but it wasn't as, is like, you know, I didn't have the perfect hourglass. I'm telling you ladies, lifting weights will give you that perfect hourglass. It, building muscle, muscle burns fat. It takes up less space than fat. So you might actually weigh more on the scale. I weigh a lot more than people think, but I'm lean, I'm tight, I'm toned. And really the whole idea of toning is you're building muscle. Lift weights, put down those pink weights. If they're cute and girly, stop the little video. I'm sorry about the Tracy Anderson method. I don't mean to throw her under the bus, but you're just like posing. And I'm like, okay, you're burning calories because you're doing cardio. Cardio is important, but yeah. weight lifting is going to maximize everything and it's going to shred your body up and you're going to look gorgeous. It will not make you bulky. It'll give you a meat where you want it, right? Yeah. Shoulders yeah. and booty and a tight little waist. And everyone's happy when, when women are happy with their bodies and weightlifting also makes you your healthiest, beautiful form. It's not about being skinny. It's not about looking perfect. It's about being your healthiest. So that's what I do. No, you're spot on with, with muscle mass and you get muscles, you get that, that mass, you replace that fat. 
resting. Yeah. You're burning. You're burning while you're resting. And and I I totally agree with you on a woman's body, shoulders. People think oh, what waste. And Ooh, if your yeah. shoulders are popping, that's what makes that taper that come down to that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Here we'll do another. We'll get another one. I'll get. I got another one. Hold on. Got it. Okay. Hold on. Um. But and yeah, and you know what's funny? You, you talking about like the bulky look on women, which you know is being seen on Instagram here. Those women, just like the guys that we talk about on the show, Chris. They're on HGH if they look like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's not that's not what Joy's talking. Not at all, no. women out there. Not at all. You, yeah, but if if you're looking like a guy, bikini, guy, that's not natural. Bodybuilding, bikini bodybuilding. If a woman has massive mass, she's absolutely on steroids or yeah. human growth hormone, something artificial, which is extremely dangerous. She's taking testosterone, which would just mess you up. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't believe in it for men. I don't believe in it for women. All natural bodybuilding is the best thing. You have incredible potential to build massive muscle mass. If you feed yourself whole foods, you eat healthy, you eat enough protein, drink water, take your vitamins, get eight hours, seven to eight hours of sleep, and you lift heavy. Ladies, don't be afraid to be ugly in the gym. Like when I'm lifting, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, like I'm doing, I'm growing out in the gym so that I can be a lady in the street. Uh, you just got to watch out for them beans, then, Joy. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, don't be behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're, but you're spot on. You're spot on. We, I tell people that. And I know Ian's, Ian's a personal trainer, and he, I'm sure he probably doesn't tell him to, to bro out in the gym, but it is. You can put that effort into it. Make those faces. And, and that means you're working hard. Well, and you there, remember, Chris, I, uh, <laughs> I was worried about the, and we talked about it on the show, the uh, female that I train who I had deadlifting yeah. 135, and I was like, oh, did I go too heavy on her? And trust me, she looks very feminine, guys. You're not going to look feminine. I mean, not going to look masculine, I should say, lifting yeah. heavy weights. I agree with everything that Joy is saying. It's really a combination of the two. Thank you. And also for women, you know, you should be working basically everything. The only difference between training for a man and a woman, in my experience, is women tend to focus on their butt more, which absolutely you should do some more yeah. booty exercises because we have more body fat and more yeah. makes us beautiful makes us have curves and yeah. then you really focus on their chest and back more because that looks hot on a guy with the v but you're doing the same exercises maybe less of a progressive overload but you're lifting heavy and yeah. heavy like i'm i'm you know squatting heavy i'm if i'm not my body is not weak by the end of my gym session which by the way is only like 45 minutes yeah yeah 45 minutes if I really want to go hardcore, I'll do 45 minutes or an hour of lifting and an hour of cardio. But that's like, I don't even have to do that. That's if I really want to shred. But everyone could do like 45 minutes in the gym and get an amazing workout. And we're talking just cardio. Get off of those freaking cardio machines. It's going to just make you skinny fat. And, and I hate skinny fat. And you're spot on. One day a week, I will push it hard. And I, and I still am an avid runner. I, I was a runner okay. when I was at Range, Range Battalion. Yeah. So, and we have to run. But you also have to be able to run with weights to your packs and stuff. So I still get out there and I'll run and then I'll come in and work, but work out hard. But again, you're right. The gym time in the gym, 45 minutes. You don't need much more than that. As long as you're hitting it hard and you're not taking yep. long breaks where you're talking to yourself, drinking out of your gallon jug. Instagramming. Yeah. Those machines where you got to sit down. I'm like, bro, are you done? You got another yeah, I know. You, I know. You're going to get up because I got things to do here. I, oh, I can't stand that <laughs> shit. I can't stand that shit. And especially the bros that take the upshots when they're squatting. I've seen that on Instagram. 
I'm not trying to find them. They just pop up on no. my feed sometimes. Why are you taking upshots of your taint while you're Instagramming, uh, dude? I don't want to see that, man. And they do it all the time. Nobody wants to see that goose shoving I don't. I don't want to see. And I was like, oh my gosh, my eyes are burning. Girl, you do it too, though. That's the Instagram culture. It's so yeah, you're in. Well, as you heard Joy Villa talking there about fitness, what better way to transition here to a read for Bub's Naturals speaking about fitness? Because if you're working out, if you're staying active, you need to get that protein in every day. You need to get that post-workout protein in or just your daily regimen of protein. The great thing I love about Bub's Naturals is you could put it in hot liquids, unlike whey uh, or whey isolate protein. So a lot of people like to do it with coffee. In these cold winter months, I've been enjoying putting it in hot chocolate, just buying some hot chocolate from the store, mixing it up with hot water, and then putting my two scoops of Bub's Naturals collagen protein. It is the best. It is single sourced from cowhide, and that's all it is. It's one ingredient and it's really going to help you with muscle recovery, with joint issues, and of course, check out their MCT oil powder as well, especially if you're on keto and you're using those healthy fats as your main fuel source, and of course, their uh, their apple cider vinegar gummies, and the Fountain of Youth formula, which is a great berry flavor. Uh, I like mixing that up in the morning and you're getting your full de- dose of uh, vitamin C for the day. So check them out, guys. A lot of people have become true believers and are seeing great recovery in their joints and muscle recovery after workouts. Bubsnaturals.com and use the promo code BATTLELINE and you're going to get 20% off. And as always, with every order from Bubs Naturals, you are supporting the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, which supports special operations families and uh, children going to college, for example, who may have lost family members who are serving. So you're helping out a great cause and you're getting a great product and they keep us doing what we do as well. Once again, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE and you're gonna get 20% off. So check them out, guys. And of course, every show is sponsored by the best ammunition on the planet. That is none other than Fort Scott Munitions. I've had some listeners uh, reach out to me recently who just started using Fort Scott. They're loving it. Uh, and beyond just using it at the range, there's something, uh, depending on what ammo that you're getting, that they're going to feel protected with when they need it most at home for home defense. So check out their line of ammo. This is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring they receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Go to fortscottmunitions.com. F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Click on the dealer locator on the website and you're going to find a dealer near you. Uh, They sometimes have deals on the website as well where you could buy ammo, but due to heavy demand, 
Those run quickly, but when you can get them, you're going to get a great discount through us when you use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. And let me throw out to you, great stocking stuffers on there for the gun lover in your life, whether it's their t-shirts or their hats or any of the other cool stuff. And they're not just like shirts with their logo on them. They have the Tactic Squat shirt. This is like one of the most badass shirts that I wear all the time to the gym. Get plenty of compliments on. So uh, yeah, check out the merch. Go to fortscottmunitions.com and use our exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and of course, the BATTLELINE Podcast. Now this next excerpt we're going to get to is from someone I started my radio career with. The first ever thing I did in radio after uh, being at Hofstra University and, you know, getting with the radio program was my internship at Sirius XM with Fangoria Radio. And that was with none other than Dee Snyder and Debbie Rashawn. Awesome experience. And that's why I still keep in touch with Debbie to this day. In this interview, uh, originally from episode 33, for those who haven't heard it, check out the full interview. But uh, this excerpt, we get into war movies, which are realistic, which aren't, and uh, some of her favorite interview moments. Debbie Rashawn from episode 33, check it out. I have to interject, though, and just ask you, while I have you, because uh, I've been dying to know, I've been thinking about this. Okay, what, what, what? And I hope you don't mind the, the diversion here, guys. Please no. don't. No, that's are what we do. Me? We're, we're, are you kidding me? We're all over the place. You're, oh, you're going to be like, what the hell just happened on that interview? I don't even, <laughs> even know what, what they were trying to get out of me here. Go ahead. Love, so, okay. I love war movies. So I want to know from you guys favorite war movie in two categories one most realistic and two your favorite even if it doesn't really play as it was this is all chris because chris i I mean most realistic how how would i know while chris was you know in combat i was with you and mike castell doing fangoria radio well well, that's you know i i i i'm gonna be partial because it was part of my life was 13 hours because I was there. That was, that was me. That was a guy running around in shorts, getting in firefights with a Mickey Mouse shirt on. I mean, that's, that was me. And to me, 13 hours is the most realistic. And believe me, I, I I know Dale Sizemore and, and and David Floyd and, and Colonel McKnight, Danny McKnight, we actually will get We should get him on the show too from Black Hawk down. I was a Ranger. Those guys were third, bet. I was second, bet. those guys are buddies of mine. That was actually Sergeant Struker. The, the man, the myth, the legend, he put me through Ranger Indoc training when I first became a Ranger. So Black Hawk Down is very accurate, lone, you know, as far, I, I, it, relatively speaking with the movies. It, but it is, it, it simulates, and you get the experience of war, same with Lone Survivor. We were soldiers, uh, same thing. Of uh, How Moore, Colonel Moore is still an iconic legend within the military army. He is the, the epitome of what an officer should be. But what movie, what they were missing, and that's why, and I would, and I believe me, I was completely, completely caught off guard because I didn't like Michael Bay making a warm, come on, what's going to Optimus Prime jumping out of the damn plane? Is that what's going to happen? When, <laughs> but, but the thing is that what he got, and this is what it is in combat, this is what it's like. You get all these other war movies, or what it is, Black Hawk Down, Low Survivor, American Sniper, We Were Soldiers, and it's it's very gritty. And it is, believe me, combat is gritty. It is. There's death, and I, I saw my I saw my buddy get blown up. But it's extremely colorful because your senses are you're so heightened. 
your mm. senses you i mean it's like I, I equate it to a racehorse think of your racehorse you're just flying but you got those blinders on and then when war happens combat happens those blinders come off and everything pops the colors pops the sound i mean it's just and, and that's why we have a hard time coming home because you yeah. when you when you're able to experience that kind of sensory overload and you can handle it which it takes a lot of years or training to do it does it does so you're able to handle that and uh, you just you can't it's, it's hard to live with the volume turned down for for everything else because the you're like oh my gosh this volume is turned up to 80 and it's never going to be turned up to that decibel again unless i keep going over which is why i kept going over for 10 years until i was like okay i've had enough of the volume it's blowing out my ears i need to turn the volume back down but that being said that's why if you watch 13 hours the scene that epitomizes that is when you see Ansal al-Sharia and al-Qaeda in the Maghreb when they're taking over the consulate and they're running across the front lawn of that U.S. consulate. And the U.S. consulate was beautiful in Libya. It was like a resort. They they did. And you see how green that grass is. When I see that scene, it's like, that's war. Oh, my gosh, look how deep green that – because when I came over the wall to get in on that compound, to get in the fight, and I saw that grass, that's what it looked like. It was like, wow. Holy crap, look how green that grass. I've never seen a green as grass ever in my life. And of course I had, but it's because the senses, you're just your senses are heightened and it's amazing. And the fire, just how orange it is. And even at night, because they use diesel smoke to to start the fires, you could see that black smoke against the stars going. And that's that's where I think 13 hours is is as far as accuracy. And then the the, the camaraderie between the guys, it's that jackassery when you're talking about mm-hmm. it. It's that goofy. It's that funny. It's that play just be you know, just making fun well, of each other. I would imagine you would have to, because you yeah, have to yeah. counter all that with something. Oh you laughter and I when yeah. I do my speeches, laughter is the best medicine. And that is the God honest truth. And that's why when you do see my character, the guy that played me in the movie, and we're still friends. I love him to death. Pablo Schreiber, who played me in the movie, he nailed that character. He nailed me. I, I always say he nailed me, and that doesn't sound good when I say he nailed me. <laughs> <laughs> but and we laugh about that all the time. It's like, yeah, I nailed you, Tano. Yeah, Pablo, thanks, you motherfucker. All right, but uh, he, it's, it's spot on, because, and he did. He, But what you know what was cool, and this is why I have utmost respect for, for actors, I didn't at the time. You know, you're with me, military. Fuck you, act. Fuck Hollywood. Uh, eat shit. I don't believe. When I got around Pablo and John Krasinski and Dominic and all those guys, and I saw how serious they took their craft, especially Pablo. I mean, as soon as he got picked, he reached. We we connected on Twitter that day that he was played to play me, and we got to know each other. And how much time he took just to get to know me, so he could represent me correctly with respect and then how much seriousness he took to learn how to use the weapon systems you can throw something off on a weapon just by the placement of your hand on a weapon and a veteran will see that in a movie and be like okay this is shit i'm out just one thing yeah and they got it just us and they how they the minute details and how michael bay got the minute details down just so when you watch it it's like, yep, that's right. And how many veterans have come up to me and said, you guys did awesome making sure that the tactics were right because that's what sold it. And the lights and the under night vision, it looks just like that. It's just just the everywhere, century overload. So, um, I, again, I would have to say 13 hours in that for that reason. Not, and not just because I was in it, but because of that's what war really looks like. It's not dirty and 
grid, even if you're in Iraq or Afghanistan or Pakistan or Yemen or Libya, all these countries I worked in. Yeah, it's dirty, but when war starts, it's not dirty. It's it's just it's, it's just whoa, this is freaking amazing. This is crazy. And uh, but that and as far as mo- war movies that aren't accurate, I would have to say none. <laughs> I can't watch a war movie that's not accurate. Well, I take it back. I take it back. I just watched it last night. The Dirty Dozen. Still one of my favorite classic movies from all time. Because I uh-huh. love watching Lee Martin. I love it. I love watching jo- Jim Brown and and uh, and I love watching Telly Savalas and Cray. Oh, still <laughs> that. And, but you know what? That could it could be accurate too. That was World War Two. Yeah. Knows? Okay. Yeah. So what I've read, seeing I don't know military people in person, um, is that they they're not big fans of the Hurt Locker. Okay. Yeah, I get you on that. Okay, that is true. The reason being, not what the Hurt Locker got, and it did what it did get accurate. It got accurate the need to go back overseas, even if you have a one-year-old. Been there. I had a one-year-old, and I left. I was like, I, I, I love you, but this is, I love you, son. He's 15 now, and I, I was in Iraq, came back for three months. Then I came. Then he was born, and um. And I loved him, and I was home for you know, my firstborn. I love him, and there was that itch just to get back, back to my buddies in Iraq, back to the job, back to Baghdad. Mm-hmm. This is 2004, and two weeks later, I left. I'm like, I'm out, and I was gone again for another eight months. Um, that aspect of you returning home or going in the grocery store and looking and going cereal, who, what the, what the hell is cereal? Well, I don't, who gives a shit? You know, uh-huh. here, here, take some grape nuts. I don't care. <laughs> the worst cereal in the world, but I don't, I don't give a shit. I'll take, break your teeth on it. I just, I don't care. And, and cleaning the gutters and all the menial stuff. When you want to go back, that got right. The, the, and then also, um, the, the, where you couldn't save the Iraqi. I, I've been there a little girl, a little girl. I couldn't save her. And, and that hurt that you uh, it's not just all uh, we're insensitive. We're out there. Mur- no, it's not like that at all. You actually get to know and love and care about the people you're with. And when you can't save one of them, it hurts just as bad as if you lost a brother. But it, the, what what was off and what hurts them is, as I tell you, like I said, the tactics, one little thing can get wrong. It's going to throw the movie off. Mm-hmm. E- EOD guys. They're not snipers. They're not going to be out there shooting a 50 cal machine gun, getting in a firefight. The ordinance, it's not going to happen. Not the okay. contractors yet that they repped. Nah, they, they she embellished that. The, the, well, and he was a good actor. Ray Fines was the, was yes. where they met the military. Nah, it's not like that. We were out there because I was a contractor at that time. I wish we were out there just running and snatching high value targets. No, that, that wasn't accurate either. So, um, uh, uh, but that's, that's, it's not, it's not the person. It's not the, it's not the, the actual demeanor. It's not what, what, cause that was accurate. That was spot on that the feelings, the emotions, that's right. It's the mm-hmm. tactics. They screwed up the tactics. Like, gosh, this does what it, it is. Cause it's a wonderful movie. Until you start seeing EOD, EOD guys, which is what he played, doing mm-hmm. things that he shouldn't do, and also, this is this was this is a ranger thing. He was supposed to be a former ranger, so he had a combat scroll on his on his left on his uh, right arm. If he was an E6 and had a combat scroll on his right arm, he should have had a ranger tab on his left arm because he would have been a senior guy at Ranger Battalion. Uh, nobody's an E6 with a combat scroll and doesn't have a ranger tab on there. You'd be thrown out of battalion. See, it's this. People don't. But for me, it's, those little things is what throw it off. Yes. Yeah. So no, that's understandable. I, you know what I was going to ask? I, 
since Chris was mentioning working with Michael Bay, I'm thinking back when we did Fangoria Radio, you got uh-huh. to interview so many awesome people. I mean, it was Quentin Tarantino who was on the show, Samuel L. Jackson. I don't I know that the Quentin Tarantino was just with Tony Timpone because I remember that. But Michael Bay, when we talked about like how over the top he was, I remember between you and D was like an <laughs> ongoing joke. But I don't think you ever got a chance to uh, interview him, right? No, no, we didn't. No, I don't you know. know why would yeah, that be? <laughs> we talked about him all. Well, you guys talked about him all the time. You know what interview I always think of, and I would love to reflect on all these years later. Um, I, I will always remember when you and Tony interviewed Michael Madsen. And oh my gosh! He, and and <laughs> my, here's the thing, Michael Madsen. I don't know, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. I don't know if it was shtick or if he was really that big of a dick because <laughs> it was. I, I, that big of a dick but in a good sense like in other words when you get michael madsen you get michael madsen there's like there's only you know he's the type of guy that what you see you think is a different guy off camera but it's that guy like he's that guy in every interview he's eating he was eating uh yes. spaghetti with ranch sauce yes. And he said he was just like eating and he, he had a new book that came out. And that's why he was on the show, uh, photographs or something like that. Wow. And uh, t- I think Tony said to him, hey, Michael, can you <laughs> I'm doing a bad impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> you sound you sound exactly like him. You're perfect. You, <laughs> I just read something from the book. And he goes, uh that's not going to happen. Yes, I remember. And I remember you, you know, you were trying to make this interview go. Dee Snyder was not there. So it was you and Tony Timpone, editor in chief of Fangoria at the time. And, uh, you know, you were asking some great questions. And I I still remember because we isolated the sound clip of him going, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. I'm sitting here eating spaghetti. Well, when are you going to ask me some interesting questions? And yeah. I, I, I was yeah. thinking if it was, I think if it was D, he would have fucking hung up on him. And you probably yeah. would have too, but you were like, you know what? It's Fangoria Radio. It's for the company. And you just went with it. It just went with it. And it was, I got to tell you something. At the time, it was so painful. It was oh. so painful. But think of this. Afterwards, once I got over the trauma that night, I realized we had some really good sound clips. We did. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you think forward and you're like, okay, we did the battle, so to speak, but and, and we and we lost, but we <laughs> won some really good clips to use forever, just like we did with uh, Thomas Jane. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're on the bleeding cutting edge. Yes. Thing he said who is so who is i mean in all your years even if it's not fangoria radio because you did radio prior who was like your favorite interview that you got to have oh uh, that that really is tough because there's so many amazing i think one of the funniest ones i don't know if it's the best interview but when we when you guys had on for my birthday sean patrick flannery and yeah. he was put on a, he put on an english accent and he was making like years ago. We met up in uh, some punk rock bathroom and had sex. And my mom was like, really, like, could it be? I mean, I don't think so. But you know, guys. But and it then, could, 
<laughs> and then he dropped the accent. It was like, you know, because we would always, uh, whenever we would have him on, um, we would like put up the picture of him, the cover of Playgirl, right? We'd like sort of like bug him and, and have fun with him. But when he did that on my birthday, he told, I had no idea it was him. So that's one moment I'll always remember. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode thus far. A lot of great memories listening back to these interviews, not just from the interviews themselves, but, you know, with Debbie in particular, I remember some of those things. So I was I was there. So it's cool hearing about that stuff. Uh, this next one is someone that a lot of you follow on Twitter because she's just very funny with how she gets into politics and uh, but but has her like clever takes on everything. I love it. Someone I've known for a long time now at this point. None other than who you guys know from Twitter at Kate Hyde NY, or you may have seen her on Gutfeld. Kate Hyde, and uh, here we get into her uh, her experience and history with Doc and Skip. Of course, uh, rest in peace to Doc Thompson, who many of you know from the Blaze. Uh, good friend of hers, her experience at American Military News, and of course her uh, her experiences on Twitter. This is from episode five, Kate Hyde. I was friends with Skip, but Doc saw me on Twitter and just said, hey, we have this segment. I think you might be good at it. Do you want to give it a shot? Just because you're so out there on Twitter, you seem like it would be a good fit. Um, so I did that. I did that for a year. I, I, I loved it. It was just uh, taking criminal news and going wild with it. And it was a great segment. So yeah, I wrote for radio. Um, I, As you mentioned, I worked at American Military News. I started there just writing uh, political pieces and then which uh, admittedly you always say was not really your strong suit you prefer right. to just make fun of politics and like for example you will live tweet you know a democratic uh, town hall or the democratic debate yes and makes funny make some funny comments that sometimes go viral because you're clever like that you're able to think of things off the top of your head and you're not someone who likes to write serious pieces thank you yeah no i i definitely i'm not good with the serious stuff um and that's what I said that was that was such a great opportunity. I ended up uh, moving up to news director there, and I I I did love it for what it was. But there was a certain point where I just said, I want this company to keep going on without me because you guys are you have so much more um, than I'm capable of giving. And to me, it's yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's not even like I like to crack. I, I don't find myself funny. What I find is I like to have fun and Twitter's a good place to invite other people to have fun with you. But you are funny. Well, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate I mean, because you and I were discussing in, in uh, the green room, we were saying like which tweets you've had that have gone viral. The biggest one of which I think would be you flying the drone and then flying it into your face. No, that one's actually that one doesn't. Uh, that's not people know that viral. one though because yes. I think it's it's at the top of your page pinned. It's, yeah, yeah, it's my pinned tweet. It's the drone hitting me in the face, which isn't like a witty or clever thing. But no. most <laughs> most people would not put that up. They'd be too me. embarrassed, and you're like, I'm putting this up. Yeah, no, it was a great moment. I I was out flying my drone. I think that was the, maybe the second day I had it. And I was just giving it a shot, and I had forgotten that that happened. And then I was looking back at the footage, and I was like. Oh! I got that. Like, great. What do I do with this? So I just put it on Twitter, and now people know me as that. I have been approached in public, and people have said, "Oh my God, you're the drone girl." I I live for that. That's great. The tweet that I always remember that went viral that I just thought was the funniest. I remember laughing out loud when I saw it was someone before you tweeted that there was like a woman's campaign on bounty. Uh, 
well, Bounty makes what's called oh, paper uh, towels. Paper towels. Yeah. Losing my thought here. Um, and you <laughs> tweeted that, right. You retweeted that tweet and wrote, "Finally, a company progressive enough to put women on cleaning products," <laughs> yeah. and which I thought was hilarious. And I had forgotten about that tweet till you brought it up. And that had like tens of thousands of retweets, if I remember correctly. It was I huge. I don't remember. I don't think that's right, but. I'm glad. I'm glad. And, that. But I think part of the appeal is they're like, this is an attractive young woman who's able to poke fun at this. If it was a guy who tweeted that, I don't think it would get the same traction. Right. Because they'd be like, oh, this is some sexist, misogynist guy on Twitter. You're able to poke fun at everything. Well, I think the thing is, is that, um, you know, I think a lot of people do it fearlessly where they say, I don't care who's making fun of me. But it's fun when I'm also able to do it and people can't say, oh, well, you know, who are you to say that? It's like, I'm a woman. It's funny. And that's why when someone else says it, a man or someone who doesn't, you know, shouldn't people say shouldn't be allowed to say such things. It's like, why not? Like, we should all be having fun with it. So I feel like it's part of my duty to like, I, I think women are horrible drivers. And I think that, <laughs> that is something that shouldn't be overlooked. And I'm the first one to say, you know, if there's a car accident, it's probably a woman, you know, because someone's got to say it. I'm just saving the men from having to you know, look bad. What were some of your other like huge tweets besides that? Because I, they don't know those stick out in my memory in yeah. particular. Um, I remember one that actually made me a little bit sad afterwards because it was uh, it was about them finding really old cheese in Egypt, I think. And uh, this one got a lot of traction very quickly, but uh, it was they found old cheese, and I forget if they said it had fungus on it, or whatever. And I said like, oh, Chipotle will take it. But I love Chipotle. So uh, this went, you know, got a lot of traction, a lot of sharing. And people were like, aha, yeah, because, you know, Chipotle is always making people sick and whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that's true. That's the joke. But I don't want them to think that, like, it doesn't keep me from eating there almost every day, you know. Yeah. So it was really funny that it, it seemed like I was um, trying to take Chipotle down with that one. I, I don't. You know, I didn't mean to be mean. But you I also can't Chipotle. overthink it in the moment. No, You're no, like, no, if no. I have a good tweet of something that's trending, you got to just go for it. And Chipotle, I mean, let's be real. They're known for making people sick, what, every six months? There's yeah. some new thing going on there? I'm willing to risk it. I think, you know, it's worth it. But some people, it, they just write it off after that. So sure. they're known for it. That's their problem. Are there others that stand out to you? Um, they're I, – I don't know. I like the ones that, that – uh, there was one time I I took a video of Acosta on TV. He wasn't doing anything particularly fancy. I think he was standing outside the White House. But I did one of those, um, you know, where it like puts a mask over him. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was around Halloween. Like Snapchat or something? Yeah, it was okay. like a Snapchat thing. I, I don't use Snapchat. But yeah, the Snapchat filter. It was exactly like that. And I put up some joke about it. And I do go after Acosta sometimes because I think he can be a bit ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But this one wasn't anything personal and I don't think I said anything bad. But um, Acosta ended up retweeting it or quote tweeting it and saying something and made fun of himself too. And I was so happy because, again, that one got a lot of traction. But I was like, this is what Twitter's for because the fact that he could see it, not be offended by it, continue on in the joke when he's such a, you know – he seems so uptight and snooty. And thinks he's like a hero of the First Amendment. And, yeah, yeah, all of that now, you know, saying it's a dangerous time to tell the truth in America. Like, yeah. well, okay. Um, you know, to hit him on that sort of stuff and then to have a moment where it was just something really silly and fun. And that one, again, got a lot of traction. That one made me happy because it made everyone and, happy. And also if you're able to poke fun at yourself, it, it'll fade away and people will be like, this guy could take a joke. Because I always think yes. of – um. 
I remember it like went viral just all over the internet when Mike Francesa from Sports Radio 66 fell asleep on the air. <laughs> and people called him like days on end after that and were like, and just made jokes about him falling asleep. Uh-huh. Like they would pick up, you know, a fan's call and, they, and he'd be like, oh, sorry, I fell asleep there, Mike. And just like references to the falling asleep. And he is not able to take a joke about himself. So it prolonged the joke. Oh, man. If he would have been able to laugh at it, yeah. I think that – it would have gone away quicker. And see, that's why I was so proud of Acosta in that moment because Acosta is one of the people that I actually criticize. Um, you know, there's a handful of people at CNN and all over the media. The problem that that they're having is that they take everything personally. So yeah. it's exactly what you said. Something someone could come after them, and they they take it personal, even if you're not actually going after them. They just feel like. Um, you know, it's it's a hit on them and their reaction to it. Instead of laughing it off or even ignoring it, they they end up fueling people. I mean, that's why Trump calls CNN fake news every day. It's because they can't handle it. Yeah. They don't know how to react to him and they're just making it worse. And that's what riles up Trump fans because it's so much fun to watch them just implode. Love that interview with Kate Hyde that was in studio. Uh, the last interview we're going to get to on this best of badass females episode is none other than Renee Nickel, who you know from episode 55. You got to hear her story about being a Gold Star sister, the Gold Star sister to Marine Corps Major Samuel Griffith. And here she talks about that grieving process, which led to her writing the book uh, about, once again, Marine Corps Major Samuel Griffith and what Gold Star families go through. And it's an appropriate way to end this one because, you know, we can't say enough about the sacrifice of these brave members and and what their families have to deal with. And uh, for her, it led to a great book that a lot of people got something really important out of. Loved having her on. Would love to meet Renee at some point in person. I've known her for several years now at this point, and I'm sure I will. And uh, yeah, another person who's probably overdue for uh, second episode because it's been uh, quite a while. She was on episode 55. So if you haven't heard that, definitely give that full episode a listen after you're done with this one. You may want to listen to quite a few episodes after you're done with this episode. So uh, wrapping it up here with Renee Nickel. He went to went through ROTC. At, ROTC. Yeah, okay. and then when he graduated, he got commissioned as an officer and then went uh, straight to flight school. Um you know, and then 9-11 happened and, you know, I just remember rushing over to my mom's house because we had, at that time, we had lived about a mile apart and she's, she's crying and, you know, she's concerned and, you know, I'm crying because my, my husband just told me that he's joining the military. So, you know, I, I wasn't ever really worried about him. Um, I just, I had a different perception of him. You know, he was invincible yeah. in my eyes. So, um, I, even his, his final deployment, you know, I wasn't worried, even though, you know, my parents had great concern, you know, and it it was just one of those things that, um, you know, even when my mom called me to tell me that he had been killed, I, 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 in my brain, I couldn't even wrap my head around the, the possibility that that could actually happen to him. So there's like this moment in my brain where I'm actually thinking um, that maybe he lost his legs or, you know, (laughs) something catastrophic happened to him, but that he would be okay. okay. Between that few seconds of her saying your brother, you know, from your brother was killed in Afghanistan, that split second, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he'll be fine. He's coming home. 
and that, yeah, wow, that's that'd be tough. I, I mean, I, I, wow, yeah. And when you, when you heard that, and we'll get into as much as you want to as well, Renee. I, I know how difficult it is. Believe me, I, I understand. Um, but you know, were you the one that really was the rock and was the one holding the family together when that happened? I can't even imagine my mom. I know how she would feel if stuff like that happened to myself, and my sister, and my brother would probably be the ones that hold it together were you the one that stepped up and and really really took on the reins then of what you know your brother being the invincible one and now you're going to be the invincible one and keep everybody together and keep keep you know help everybody get through this and heal through it I mean, I mean, that's what happened is um, I, I kind of felt bad talking about my grief because, you know, my mom lost a child. Yeah. So, and, um, you know, I, it was, it was probably soon after that, that I became estranged from my dad. And, you know, I talk about that in the book a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just family dynamics just really f- fell apart. And that's kind of what I, you know, one of the points I'd like to talk about is just how a military death is so much different. You know, the grief isn't different. The the pain is there regardless of whether someone dies yeah. of cancer or a car accident or, but a military death, the, the dynamic surrounding everything is just so complicated. And it's just, it is. um, well, well, how, for people who don't know how, so, cause I do remember you said to me the last time we spoke that there were some family members that supported you writing a book and, and others who didn't. Yeah. I think that's just how it is with, you know, whenever you're, uh, you're kind of opening up that can of worms, you know, yeah. and, um, I, I tread very lightly in what I choose to disclose, obviously, sure. you know, I, I, um, I still want to honor people. Um, some, I don't, I don't want to, but it's, you know, kind of being a bigger person. Um, But uh, I think I've I've talked to enough family members of, you know, fallen military service members that I know I'm not alone. You know, the – there's just so many families. I mean, I just got an email a few weeks ago from a husband whose wife – lost her brother in a training accident. He was with the 75th um, Rangers. And um, I think it was a free fall accident. He fell out of a plane. And it was just, I want to say it was just like a year and a half ago that this happened. Um, You know, and he's having trouble kind of navigating her grief because, you know, she's, she's just not processing right now. And I'm thinking, gosh, she's just a year and a half out. You know, I mean, um, I was a mess 18 months out. I mean, my, my whole family life was a mess. My relationships were a mess. And so, you know, when I wrote the book, um, I was just cautious on what I wanted to disclose. So Cause it, well, and you do have, there's, there is anger there. There is oh, some yeah. that like, why, how, and how come people aren't understanding what I'm going through? And, and you don't understand, but your, your focal point is as man, it's just, I, 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 people should, people should feel that feel not bad for me, but they should, they should understand that I'm having issues right now and they should accept that and not, mm-hmm. Oh, you got to move on. Yeah. You got to move on. I, I think that was the hardest thing. And again, it just, mine was just teammates, but I should say just, but it was teammates. And, it, but it was, it, the more people said, Hey, you know, actually the more people that said, Hey, what's going on? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Can I help? 
that's what pissed me off more than anything. It's like, guys, just let me, let me get through this my mm -hmm. way. And I, I don't know if it, that was, it sounds like, but from what I'm listening to, that's what it sounds like with yourself. It's like, just let me grieve and let me get this figured oh, yeah. out. Oh, I was pissed and, off at the world. I mean, oh, yeah. it just, it didn't matter who said what or did what, yeah. you know, or, or even their silence pissed me off. You know, you, yeah. there was nothing you could say or nothing you could not say, you know, and I was just angry. So, so how, when did you find yourself that you started to come out of it? Did faith play a big part? Faith is a huge part in my life. Oh, he, yeah. That's what got me. That's what got me out of it is God just kicked me in the ass one day and said, hey, you need to fix your shit. <laughs> and you need to get this. You need to get this wrap. And then it was me fixing it, mm -hmm. not somebody else coming in, not a therapist, not a friend. It was God and me having that conversation where he just said, get your ass up. And, st and this was three, four years after. Yeah. So so what was what was yours and was faith part of it? I, I, cause we do get a lot of people out there that listen. And I do believe that it's important to, to hear this. So some people that aren't getting through it have lost God mm -hmm. and they need to bring it back in. So if you can talk a little bit about that, when you found out that, Hey, I'm actually, when it got over that mountaintop, I'm starting to, I'm starting to recover now. Yeah. It was probably year three. Um, I was in denial for, you know, I was still in shock for a couple of years. Um, it was probably my first attempt at writing the book. And, you know, after I, I read through what I had written, I realized like how angry I was and I was like, this is not good. So, you know, I, I just deleted everything and, and therapy definitely played a part in helping. Um, you know, I've diff, I, I mean, I, I'm still in therapy on and off because certain issues will arise and, yeah. you know, and I just, just continue, it's an ongoing process of working through things, you know, when you sure. have compounded trauma. So. Um, honestly, probably that, that pivotal moment, because I, I believe forgiveness is huge in healing. Um, so that pivotal moment for me, I mean, I always had, um, you know, an awareness of God, a sensitivity to God and, sure. um, but it was when I was in ICU and I thought I was dying. I, I went into AFib and, um, wow. So my heart was racing, you know, it was like 180 beats a minute at resting. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, shocking my heart, you know, stopping my heart and restarting it. And I, and I was terrified. And, you know, I just had this conversation with God about, um, you know, just letting go of that, that hurt and that pain and, you know, kind of like, just give me one more chance type thing. <laughs> and, uh, that, no, but you grew up, I mean, you grew up with God in the, when you're, as a child, right? You like I did. You fought. I kicked and screamed going to Sunday school, but I still went. My family was went. not. Uh, they were not religious in any by any means. I wow. actually gained a curiosity when I was thirteen years old on my own, and I started to go to a local church and got involved in youth group and um, you know accepted. I was probably the first person in my family to accept Christ, and then my brother started going and and. Um, eventually, you know, I think my mom, you know, she got saved when she was, when I was 16 years old. And, um, wow. So I, you, you are, you're the trailblazer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that, that is, that's amazing. Uh, well, you know, and therapy, that's, I, I did therapy for a while. I, I, I actually checked myself when, uh, where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, mm -hmm. I went into the VA health, mid health. And I said, here, take my cell phones, I'm here. And I, I disappeared for two days because yeah. I don't want anybody to brought. This was 
2017, something like it. So, yeah, to say that, and we say that on the show, to say that it doesn't help, it does mm-hmm. therapy, This, but it gets to a point where do I still need it or am I, what else can I do? And there was a point where I reached a, I did, I reached a, a, the the end of it and like, okay, I, these, you guys have done what you can. Yeah. Now it's up to me to, to, f- to finish it. And that's when, you know, family life came back mm-hmm. in as well. So. So that, but that's amazing. So it is, it, I'm glad people heard that, that it's okay to seek therapy. It's oh, okay yeah. to talk to somebody. In fact, try it, at least give it a shot. And if it doesn't work or it's not working for you, well, I, I at least give it a shot. Now, what do I do next? Is there, what's, what's the route I have to go now? That path ended. Let's go this path and see if this is going to work. Yeah. But it, cause you're always moving forward. Yeah. You're, you're doing as amazing. Yeah. The most therapeutic um, thing I did was, um, was equine therapy. So that's, that's uh, really, you know, what. I did nine months of that and that was, and that's kind of how we got involved in horses. And that's kind of where my daughters really started to fall in love with horses. And now my 14 year old says, you know, I don't need a therapist. I go to the therapist every day. And that does it for this first installment of badass female guests. I know that we have plenty of female guests that we've had on some more recently that we didn't get into this episode. Have no worries. We're going to do a part two actually sooner than you think. We're going to have a part two of this uh, basically like a month from now, you'll get to hear Best of Badass Female Guests Part 2. So I hope that you enjoyed this one. We'll be back on Monday with another great episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. We're uh, we're not getting as many lately, and that, that hurts us in the ratings. So if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review. It's so quick to do. You just go to that Purple Podcasts app if you have an iPhone and yeah, just search Battle Line Podcast, leave a five-star review, and we'll feature that on our Instagram stories as well. Follow us on Instagram and pick up a shirt. We have the link to the in the description to pick up a Battle Line Podcast shirt and tag us in those on Instagram, uh, the Battle Line Podcast shirts. They're great. I have them in several different colors, and I know some of you do as well. Actually, our uh, last guest on this, Renee Nichols, she has the Battle Line Podcast shirt. So with that... Always stay positive, guys. Never quit. We'll be back on Monday with a new Battle Line podcast. I'm Ian Scotto. Thanks for joining us. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod to sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never Never quit. quit.